Working out is just half the equation to living a healthy lifestyle. Nutrition is the other half. You should be a complete trainer. By mastering nutrition with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, you can become just that. As a certified nutrition coach, you'll be able to provide guidance to clients seeking to improve their body composition, athletic performance, and their health through carefully crafted nutrition programs that take age, culture, socioeconomic status, and more into account. Why wait? Start helping clients live their healthiest lives. Sign up for your nutrition certification today at nasm.org slash cnc or call 1-800-460-6276. You're listening to The Strong Mind, Strong Body, the podcast that brings fitness and wellness together with your host, fitness and mental health expert, Angie Miller, part of the NASM Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Andy Miller, and I'm so glad you joined us here for our new NASM webinar series called Strong Mind, Strong Body. And uh, it's a fitness and wellness kind of concept where we're just going to talk about everything about getting healthy from the inside out. So again, I'm Andy Miller. I'm an NASM master instructor and I'm a mentor, and I have with me a dear friend, somebody I deeply admire, and her name is Annie Malithong, and she is also an NASM master instructor. And she owns a fitness studio in Atlanta, Georgia. How you doing, Annie? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. So I think it's fun that Annie and I, fun, kind of a loaded word, chose the <laughs> self-care topic because often we call each other for a little tender loving care because we talk about how self-care kind of gets lost and put to the side. But we've both been in the industry long enough to realize what happens when we set out to save the world and we might end up coming back feeling a little resentful, a little overdone, because instead of feeling full, we start to feel famished. Like, hey, when's it going to be my time? How am I going to figure out how to fill my bucket? So that's what Annie and I are going to talk to you about today is self-care. And not a lot of platitudes like, oh, you know, go breathe, go buy a good book and sit down with a candle, because, you know, we don't always have time to do that. So we're going to talk about self-care from the inside out. What do you think, Annie? Absolutely. I think it's super important, especially these days. Um, but I think we discussed this as, as a mother, as a business owner, as everyone going through the pandemic right now, um, just everything. So I think self-care is huge right now, and I'm so happy to be on with you. So thanks for inviting me, Angie. Of course. Yes. So Annie's a mom of three and Annie owns a fitness studio and, uh, She's got lots going on, and I always think I have lots going on, and then I talk to Andy, and I go, oh, maybe I don't have so much going on. So, you know, we here in the fitness space, though, we tend to juggle a lot of things. So I work in mental health. I work as a mental health therapist, and I work in fitness. So, you know, I write, I educate, I teach NASM workshops, which those are on hold right now, present at conventions, Andy's doing all this stuff, and and we're always putting it out there. And sometimes it feels like everything is going out, but nothing's coming in. And we go for a really long time and we tell ourselves, well, it's coming in because I'm feeding other people's souls. But the old saying of you can't, you know, pour from an empty bucket isn't just, isn't just a saying. It has a lot of validity, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when we, when I started an industry 20 years ago, I didn't, I just remember someone saying, and you have to take care of yourself. You have to take a break. And I just didn't know, you know, what self-care was. So again, um, how can we pour from an empty cup? 
And um, it, it's just huge what you're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about. <laughs> Right. Well, even in, you know, even in mental health, um, they say that, you know, in order to treat other people and to help other people, you should have your own person that you talk to because you can only take someone as far as you've gone yourself. So we always need to be tending to our own mind before we can help other people tend to theirs. And I think it's that same way in health and fitness. We have to be tending to our bodies and we have to be tending to our mind and our thoughts and our feelings before we can help other people be in their best space. We have to show up our best. Yeah, Absolutely. I think, you know, and you know this, Angie, um, when you started in the industry, and I'll kind of bounce back to you, when you started in the industry, like, did you even know what that was? Did you know what pouring into your own cup even meant, right? That's, yeah. that's so huge with um, when we're taking care of others, like you said, all day. And I'm talking about our clients. I do believe that as fitness professionals, we don't realize that we're giving our energy throughout the day. We're giving our emotion. We're actually being the sounding board for our clients as well to help them heal. And in the beginning, when I started, I just, I didn't realize how much it would take out of me. Um, mm -hmm. But on top of that, how much I would have to give back to myself. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, you know, and to, like, going back to you is, you know, how did you learn that, Angie? How did you learn that pouring into yourself was a thing, right? Right. Well, and I think we learn from it. I think we learn going through the process of sort of hitting kind of rock bottom, so to speak. We learn by... Uh, realizing that we start to feel resentful or burnout. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, some concrete tips. I did, uh, I filmed a series called, you know, Tips for Angie for AFA, and I did two on self-care because I think it's so pivotal. And that's kind of what we're going to go through today. I said that our talking points were going to be why you need self-care. We've already talked about that because we don't want to get resentful. We don't want to get burned out in the industry. And a lot of times really that's what happens is in mental health and in fitness, a big risk for burnout because we go in and we're like superwoman, And then uh, we go in too hard and pretty soon we're just like, I don't have any more, man. I'm tapped out. And so we don't want to we don't want to lose good people in the industry who get a little bit too overzealous and then they end up having to pull way back and they leave the industry entirely. Let's get there before we get there. Right. Let's find some intervention measures to keep people healthy, whether you want to call it coping skills or self-care. I don't want I don't care what people call it. So the takeaways are going to be why you need it. We're going to talk about where you get it. And then we're going to talk about how it's going to increase your longevity in the fitness industry, because our goal really is to keep all of you here, because I believe that what makes this global fitness space so dynamic is bringing in all these people from everywhere, all these different perspectives and points of view. So let's keep it dynamic. Let's keep us all here. Let's help us all survive together. So one of the things that I talked about, you know, when I did the tips for me, Angie, and I talked about self-care and Annie and I kind of talked about some of these tips was one of them was where do you get it? It. And I think that first you have to figure out where you're going to put it, if that makes sense. So I think that we have to schedule that time. So I schedule my workouts every Sunday night. I know exactly what workout I'm going to do on what day and how, you know, where I'm going to go to get it. Am I going to go to the gym? Am I going to go to my treadmill? And I've learned that if I don't do that, when COVID hit, I almost uh, lost my, uh, my, I don't know, my workout routine. Yes, I did lose my workout routine. <laughs> and I realized I got to go back to scheduling it. And I think that we need to schedule self-care. So I tell my clients all the time, maybe you need to take some time and decide what it is that, that works for you, whether it's I need to go get my nails done or I need to take a nightly walk. 
schedule that so that your family knows it, so your spouse knows it, your significant other knows it, whatever it is, schedule that just like you schedule your clients. Because if you don't schedule some time for you, it ain't going to happen, right? Right. That's exactly what we tell our clients. And, you know, that's exactly what I had to learn as well. Um, you know, throughout the years, you know, I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. And, and what I mentioned was early in the day, there was a trainer that said, you have to take time for yourself. And I was like, why? You know, like, I have to work. Like, what are you talking about? My clients need me. And I would go all day, you know, from 6am to sometimes 10pm at night. I was a really busy trainer. <laughs> um, and I would give and give and give. And throughout the years, I've learned from these clients, you know, the clients that are either busy business professionals or mothers or um, in the healthcare industry, you know, our healthcare heroes out there are giving all day. I've learned from their burnout. I've learned from their stress that it's not going to happen to your point, Angie. It is not going to happen unless you schedule it. And I think throughout the years, you tend, I have tend to feel more guilt as a mother to say, you know, um, I'm asking for somebody else's time to, to watch my kids or to take away from the studio or from my clients. But I realized that, you know, when I schedule a doctor's appointment, I don't miss it. When I schedule um, an appointment for the kids, I don't miss it. Meaning I am there. Why can't I do that for myself? So to your point, if we don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. Be okay with that, right? Like I've had to learn that I am I'm totally okay with that because when I get, even if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, if I schedule, say if I schedule an hour, you know, I have three kids, um, two under two these days. <laughs> well, she just turned two, so I can't really say that, but one seven months and one two. I can schedule an hour and I'll realistically get like 10 minutes of workout in. Um, and because they're with me or life is just unpredictable. The girls are unpredictable. My kids are unpredictable. Business, I'm picking up calls, emails, whatever it is. Um, so to your point, it's, if you schedule it, at least something will happen. And I think it's okay if you schedule it for an hour and you don't get that hour, be okay with that. Right? It's exactly what we teach our clients. Something is better than nothing. And all I want you to do is show up. That's what I tell my clients at least. I'm like, schedule it and show up. That's yep. it. I don't care what day you have to show up. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's about showing up for yourself because we're always showing up for other people. But the version of ourselves that's showing up for other people is not necessarily the version that's our best self. You know, I yeah. talked to an essential worker yesterday who is one of my clients and she's in a supervisory role in nursing and she's going all day long. She's working evenings. Now her kids are being homeschooled. She gets home in the morning and where she used to be able to sleep, she's now a teacher. And she's like, I just need time to myself. I don't know who I am anymore. And I said, well, you know, what would it take to get you there to even get five minutes a day? And so we talked about putting in small, small um, segments, small pockets of self-care, whether that's lighting a candle and sitting and breathing in a, in a closed space for five minutes. And one of the things that I talk about, too, is when you schedule, schedule in a, in a you know, know where you're going to go to get it. So sometimes when I schedule my workouts, that's my self-care for the day. If I go have a workout on my stairmaster at the gym at some random time when I'm not going to run into anybody, that's my self-care. That's the 30 minutes that I get to myself. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It just matters that I'm showing up for me. And then I get to leave there and be like, yes, okay, I put a little bit in my bucket. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, again, I talk about, we talk about scheduling. And sometimes, you know, I, I hear 
I hear it from my clients. They're like, Lord, there's just not enough time in the day. We've talked about that, right? We wish there were more hours in the day. I'm either struggling between trying to sleep through the night or um, <laughs> feeding the babies or, you know, I'm, I'm, every day it's like there's something. I mean, sometimes I can't even get to that schedule, you know, the scheduled workouts or whatever went past it. And, and it's as simple as sometimes like I'm just going to take a bath, right? Like let me just have my Epsom salt bath or let me have my shower to myself. I spend a little bit extra time in the shower because for me, it's like, what is so pressing <laughs> that you have to take away from my shower time or my eating time or, you know, buying that meal that just makes me happy or drive through Starbucks or drive through coffee, something um, where, you know, I, I always laugh because I think you could probably um, identify with this as well, Andy. I don't know if you did this when the girls, when your kids were young, when you drop them off at school or at the bus stop. I actually sit in my driveway in the car and just like enjoy my coffee for five minutes. So <laughs> I have to tell you something funny. I got called out the other day. I was coming home and we have a new puppy. And uh, my husband, don't tell him that he never leaves because he works from home now. And, uh, and so we're, we're together 24 seven. So we have the puppy and the kitty, but we're together 24 seven. So I was ready to pull into my driveway, but I was talking to my sister and it was a great conversation. So I started driving around the neighborhood and apparently my puppy spotted me and lost his mind. And when I got home, my husband called me out and he's like, I just saw you circle the park or circle the, the block. That's Why did you come home? So anyway. So yeah, you know, yeah, we we, do that. My husband and I both do that, right? So we're not just talking about just like a mother. You know, we both can identify because we're both mothers. But um, as a father, like, again, is with my husband, like, I understand. That was one of a, a big advice piece that someone gave to us as well. They were like, you know, the person in the house is usually having a day. And the person coming home is having a day. And what happens is if you don't take that moment, if you don't take those five moments to just to recollect yourself and go, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to walk in and this person was probably having a day. Yeah. Like if you don't take that moment, no one's good for anybody. Like you're just not good for each other. You're not good for the kids. Um, and so those little five minutes of sitting in the car, enjoying the coffee or driving around the neighborhood just yeah. to kind of set your mind right. Um, that's huge. That's huge. And five minutes is very powerful. I think yeah. we've gotten to this whole, like, if we're not doing 30 minutes of workout, if we're not doing an hour of workout a day, we're not doing anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I live by that. Something is better than nothing. That's honestly how I'm able to balance all of this. It's, it's right. easy. <laughs> well, and I think that it's, it's just a buffer. So the whole thing is, you know, schedule time, like you said, but even if you schedule an hour and it ends up being 30 minutes, be happy for the 30 minutes. All we're really looking for is a buffer between what we're giving to other people and a buffer between, you know, them and us, so to speak, so that we don't feel like we're peeling off layers of us and giving it to them. We're not losing the skin that we're in. Okay. And sometimes it does start to feel like we're kind of standing raw or naked in the street. Right. So we've given so much away. So we're just scheduling that. And the second thing that we were going to talk about is just being able to say no when you need to. And boundaries are huge. I did uh, I did an NASM video on on boundaries, just setting boundaries. And and I've taught workshops on just setting boundaries because that's such an essential component. And boundaries are just like that line in the sand of saying, you know, this is how far I'm going to go. And if I continue to cross over that line, I'm going to salvage components of my self-esteem and my self-worth. Because every time I do that, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. You know, I feel that wound 
wound. And then I go back and I say yes again, when really I should have said no. Mm-hmm. So boundaries are huge, you know, because if we keep saying yes to other people, it's saying no to ourselves. So we have to be able to set limits to what we'll say yes to. And a lot of times when we're new to the industry, we get really, really overzealous. And even when we're not new, we get really overzealous. We get just like so flattered to be asked to do something that we lose sight of, do I really have time to do that? Is that really in my wheelhouse? Do I have the bandwidth for that? And so we really have to be cognizant and that's where scheduling comes in because we have our schedule laid out. We're really aware whether we have the bandwidth to say yes to something. So boundaries, right? How do we set those boundaries? Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's huge what you said. It goes back to the schedule, you know, um, again, early in our careers, it's like you want to say yes to everything as a trainer because you're trying to figure out yourself as a trainer. You're trying to figure out how to make money, how we're going to, how you're going to be able to integrate your, your former lifestyle into this lifestyle and make it full time. Um, and that's where the schedule comes in. And what I teach my trainers here, especially those who are new, is you have to have a schedule that says, this is my work schedule, schedule, and then this is my me time. And you can't budge on that me time. And to what we just talked about you know, a couple minutes ago is if you budge on that me time, you can't keep giving. And that's the same thing with clients. I love my clients to death, and they know I will give them the shirt off my back. I really would. However, <laughs> however. If it is a time where I have scheduled for myself, so like every Wednesday, for those of you who follow me on social media, um, you'll notice every Wednesday, I try now every Wednesday, you know, I have a lot of kids. <laughs> um, and I had Ace, my, my oldest, for, you know, he's eight years old now. And for the first, what, six years, it was just me and him. And then I also have my, my stepson, AJ. But um, with Ace, it was I wanted to spend time with him because I realized I was working all the time. And it was always about growing the business. I mean, that boy, he grew up in the business with me. And I really took a look at my schedule and said, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing this for? Because it's making me grouchy. I don't get to spend time with my kid. I mean, what am I working so hard for? And what am I trying to grow here? So I actually blocked out Wednesday afternoons and I call it Wednesdays. And I say, happy Wednesdays. And it's literally a day for me and him where I get to celebrate him. I get to live in his world and I get to see the world in his eyes. So I literally let him pick the day. Like, what do you want to do today? Let's go to lunch. What, what, what do you want to eat? Just go to the park. And I just make it about him. And that's just so huge. But my clients now know because I've made it a day and it's a hard no for me. Right. So I set that bound. You're like, nope, sorry. That's my, that's my day with my kid. Everyone knows that's a hard no. And he's not coming in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless I love that. Maybe if you're actually bleeding, I'll come in. <laughs> but it's a hard no because I have set that. I put my foot down as a mother and as a business owner and as a personal trainer and you know, being in the fitness industry, all of it where I'm like, no, I don't do Wednesday afternoons. Um, yeah. And it's really to protect me. And my energy, to your point, is to protect that cup so that I can continue to give everything that I have because I'll be able to. But if I'm torn with, you know, I don't spend enough time with my son or my kids or I don't have time for myself or if I'm torn, I can't continue to give to my clients. So to your point, Angie, that hard no for me is usually Wednesday afternoons and I have to set that schedule like you said um, and I have to say no. 
I, I feel, you know, I felt guilty for a long time, but what killed me more was the guilt of my child. Right. You know, and like I, I said, saying <laughs> yes to everybody else is saying no to something. It's either saying no to yourself or saying no to your family. And the way that we're showing up for our family, you know, just like this essential worker yesterday when she was saying, you know, the person that I am in front of my kids, I don't even recognize anymore. And she said, my own daughter said, you're getting more distant, mom. And I think that that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves almost a shell of who we used to be. So having that schedule and then being able to say no when we need to and realizing that no is actually, you know, credit to our self-esteem and our self-worth. No, actually, and no doesn't require an ex explanation. And so the, the NASM video that I did on setting boundaries had like six steps to set boundaries. We don't have to over-explain ourselves. In fact, that makes us look guilty a lot of times. Just a, a nice, uh, polite no. You know, I'm not available on Wednesdays. We don't have to explain why. Um, and so- You make such a good point about that, not to over-explain. Like, what is- yeah you know, to say no and not explain it is huge. Like, I think we, we all have that guilt, I guess, or, you know, I don't know if you want to call it guilt or what it is where it's like, well, it's because I have to do this. And I've run that over the years too, where I'm like, there's no because it's just, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable. Yep, exactly. Because you know what, there is, there is really no need to explain because at the end of the day, explaining and what I talked about in the video was explaining gives people kind of space. People will come in, people have an agenda. And if you start explaining and you sound guilty, it makes you vulnerable and people will kind of wheedle their way in there and find a reason to kind of talk you out of why you maybe shouldn't have that boundary. So really just having that nice, polite, said statement and just being a broken record if we need to. So I think boundaries are really, really critical. And what goes along with boundaries is the other thing that we were gonna talk about is allowing other people to help. And so for me, this is a big one. This is a lot of my stress. I will always admit is self-imposed. It's because, um, I feel like I could do it the way I want it done. Okay. Yeah. Not that I don't think anybody else can do it the right way, but if it's my project and it has my name on it, it really needs to come from me. And so it's whether we want to call that control perfectionism, I don't know. It has a lot of ugly names, but really it's just <laughs> that we take pride in our work. So let's look at it on a positive note, but how about just being able to allow others you. So being able to let go and relinquish some of the stuff that maybe we don't have to have a, um, you know, um, we don't have to be in charge of all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, whether, I don't know what that looks like, whether that means hiring somebody to clean your house or, um, uh, you know, hiring whatever you can hire to help you out with the, uh, the perimeter stuff, the stuff that you feel like you don't have time to do, hiring somebody to clean your studio, um, hiring somebody to run your books. I don't know, hiring somebody to do your social media, but just being able to uh, delegate. And for a lot of us, delegating is a really, really hard thing to do because we're like, no, no, I have to do it all, Superman. So, um, but you know, being able to delegate is huge. Absolutely. You know, my husband, if he's watching this or he will watch it soon. <laughs> <laughs> He'll say Annie's the master of delegation. <laughs> and you know, I don't think it's so I'm I'm opposite of you, Angie. Um, and I think that's for a reason. So I grew up in, you know, my 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 son was just talking about this. He's like, Mom, are you the president of the school? And did you run for leadership? And I'm like, Yep, I've been in leadership since, you know, student leadership since third grade. And um, we joke about this, but it's funny that 
you know, I, once I became president, like student body president, junior class president, whatever it was, I was really good at talking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because um, I had so much going on. So I had to learn that at a very early age that like, yes, I would love to do it myself, but realistically to be fair to everyone else, I wasn't able to give my 100%. So I would actually delegate. I would ask someone else to do it. Um, and I've learned that over the years that it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it just has to, it has to be done. At the end of the day, it has to be done. And I tell my team that as well here at the studio where it's like, if it's wrong, we'll fix it. Mm -hmm. Right? It's right. At least we got it done. Like something is out there. And I think we all get paralyzed that way where we think that we have to do it ourselves or we can't ask for help, to your point. Um, yeah. But when you have so much going on, <laughs> I mean, I had so much going on in high school. My, my father owned a restaurant and I would go help mom and dad. You know, my mom actually worked at the hospital. She was a registered nurse, but I would help the family business. You know, I would work there. Plus, I was in sports. Plus, I was in leadership. Plus, you know, my mom had incentivized me in high school. Like, if you if you graduate with honors, you're going to get a new car. And if you graduate yeah. with a scholarship, you'll get to, you know, a, a trip or whatever. So it's mm -hmm. like, I knew I had a lot going on already in high school. <laughs> so I would be like, okay, so for me to be able to do everything that I have to do, I would have to delegate. So I'm actually quite opposite of you, Andy. Um, I'm not afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And that's because I know that we are stronger in numbers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So we have to be able to do that, whether that means we hire somebody to help or whether it just means that we relinquish, you know, needing to have our hands on everything or whatever that might look like. And yes, I've definitely had to do my work on delegating and allowing others to help for sure. It's had to come. It, it didn't come naturally or organically. It came from me crashing and burning a few too my, times too many. But uh, but it feels really darn good when I do, you know, ask other people for help. And uh, and when I do invite other people into the journey and allow some vulnerability and say, man, I'm going to crash and burn if, if I don't pass some of this off. So um, that perfection, right? Like, or what's perfection in, in my world or in your world? Like when we do it, we're going to do it a certain way. Or when yeah. we it, we're going to do it this way. And I think letting go a little bit of that really helps and, you know, making it okay. Yeah. And, you know, some of that comes to do it too. It's setting a boundary. So sometimes when I write now, I have to set a timer and I have to say, I get one hour to write. And if it's not where I want it to be in one hour, I still have to leave it. I have to get up from my desk and I have to leave it because it has to be good enough for now. Because otherwise I can overwork something until, you know, I'm my, my hands are raw or my, my fingers won't type anymore. And so sometimes if we struggle with perfectionism or needing to overwork something, we just need to set that boundary of saying, I'm going to give myself one hour to work on this project. And then when that hour is up, I'm going to get up and take a five minute walk or I'm going to light a candle and sit down and breathe in my closet where I can be alone. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, so, you know, the, um, the other thing that I want to talk about is, you know, so the, the delegating the part, you know, we've got a schedule, we're going to set boundaries, we're going to say no when we need to, and we're going to, we're going to be able to delegate and invite other people in to help. And, you know, and, and again, that's one thing that I talk to my clients about is when your kids get to be of an age, I was talking to Annie last night, she's like, oh, my daughter's putting dishes away. And one of the things I talk to my clients about is, you know, setting up like chore charts and remembering if everybody's going to be home, everybody can have some skin in the game. And I really believe that the more that kids have skin in the game, 
same. And the more that they feel like they have some power in the house, the more they're empowered to make a difference in your household. And that's the same with employees um, that work for you. If you empower them and you give them roles and responsibilities, you give them the opportunity to rise to the occasion and you don't have to walk around with your Superman cape on all the time and then walk away and be complaining that you're burnt out, right? Right, right. I, I was just gonna mention that it's the same goes as in a team environment, you know, I've been developing teams since 2004, you know, developing personal training teams. And I always gave someone a job. Um, every single person on our team had a job and that was to help the greater good. It was to help the crew. It, it was to avoid the burnout individually. And I think that's what made it so fun for us and so successful is um, to your point, Angie, is that delegation and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, if you can't um, when we're talking about the fitness industry, so we do this here at my studio is if you can't make that session or something happens, call in another trainer because this journey is not about you. It's about the client. But on top of that, just because you may be struggling or in terms of something happening or like, to, you know, something comes up and, and you can't make it or you're not feeling well, it doesn't mean it should impact somebody else. Um, yeah. And I think that's where teamwork really starts to step in and, and the delegation and the roles and responsibilities. It's, you know, that's how the world goes around. That's how we all work and we get stronger together. Um, if, is, if we're stronger in numbers, that's all I can say. Yeah, for sure. And I love that. And, you know, so one of the other things I talk about in terms of self-care is kind of dividing our life into a pie. And there's lots of different components of our wellness pie. And we've all read about our wellness pie, you know, with different components mm -hmm. of us. And so one of those components is our physical self-care, where we usually we rock the house on physical self-care as fit pros. Although, you know, I had my moment during COVID where I don't know where I went, but usually we, we're pretty good. We rock the house on physical self-care. We're like, yes, 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 I got this. Um, but I also want to talk about emotional self-care and then social self-care and workplace self-care. So let's go to the emotional self-care. We won't get too touchy-feely, but, you know, how do we tend to what's inside that no one else can see? You know, do we have that safe space that we can go where we can sit and light a candle or read a book for five minutes or we can, if we're spiritual, we can say a prayer or whatever it is. Do we have a place where we can tend to our heart and tend to our mind? Because I think that that's really, really important. Absolutely. And, you know, part of my emotional self-care during COVID was I started to get really, really lonely. And so we got a puppy. <laughs> so during, during this whole thing, I actually ended up, I actually had my baby the week of the coronavirus, like the week of quarantine and shutdown. So um, that's where I kind of, that, that got fulfilled for me, but it got pretty hectic, you know, because I had my 19 month old there, then I had a new baby. My parents actually came in. So we were all just quarantined to ourselves. So it was like, where was that moment, right? <laughs> like where did everybody fill that? Because for me, it was just, it was just hectic. Um, and to me, it was as simple as having that cup of soup. It was having that simple bath. It was having that simple shower. Um, and then I would actually turn on meditation music, you know, guided meditation. Um, so I can actually fulfill that emotional side of me. Like I had to dig deep. <laughs> I think we all did at one point, right? So here's what I think is the key to emotional self-care. Are you ready? It's not really a big mic drop, but really I think the key to emotional self-care is whatever it is, and I don't care what it is, because nobody gets to dictate what is self-care to you. Mm -hmm. If self-care to me is being on my Stairmaster and self-care to you is sitting down with a Snickers bar, a good book and a candle, go. 
right? Absolutely. But here's what I think the key component is. I think that self-care for us as fit pros, as busy fit pros, needs to be a space in order to really tend to our emotional side. It needs to be a space where nobody is counting on us. It needs to be a space and a place where we're not large and in charge. We are so used to being on all the time. And this was the talk that I have with my clients is, if you are in charge of your kids at homeschooling and you're in charge of your employees at work, whatever that self-care is, it needs to be a place where you don't have to make any decisions. No one's counting on you to be right or wrong, to have all the answers or to make any decisions. So I'm going to lunch with a girlfriend on Monday and she's like, do you want me to pick the place again? And I started laughing and I was like, thank you. Because I just want like small things in my life where somebody else is making decisions for me. I'm like, I'll tell you what, Kathleen, you tell me where to be at noon and I will be there with bells on. And you make such a great point. I hired my trainers. I hire my own manual therapy, you know, my team. I hire my team to train me and to do manual therapy and just so I don't have to think. Like, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, but I would really would love not to think <laughs> for a little bit or to your point, Andy, not to, um, be not to be in control right like I guess in order to just give that up like that's amazing <laughs> so you made such a great point with there um with that yeah. I just think that that's such a big part of filling our emotional soul is that we just need to do it where we don't have to make decisions so you know if you're going to a movie and you don't care what movie you see then you say to the person you pick the movie you pick the bottle of wine you pick the place that we go to eat just a place where you don't have to be in a decision-making role where you don't have to be right or wrong or where if something doesn't go right somebody isn't disappointed in you right because we right. live in this space where if we make the decision that we feel like we everything has to turn out just the right way no absolutely i think um that's just huge like to your point like going out to lunch having that social time as well and just taking that break i think again that's that's something that we all need, especially those starting in the industry, you know, learning it now, not learning the hard way. I think as mothers, we're trying to do that. We're trying to protect the babies of the industry, <laughs> um, yeah. to not, you know, to not burn out and not to stress out and to make sure they take out time for themselves. Yeah. And so and here's another thing I wanted to say about emotional self-care is affirmations. And I talk a lot about affirmations, but I don't think they're silly. I think that, you know, we give our clients affirmations every day. We say things to them. We give them motivational statements. We give them takeaways. We tell them things that we want them to think about. We give them journal articles to read and information, but affirmations for us, you know, so sticky notes around our house that remind us that we're doing a good job. I mean, I have list after list after list of to-dos. Sometimes I just write myself little affirmations, you know, like, um, to your, you know, Wednesday ace, I have what I, I have my uh, time on Mondays and my affirmation is remember, this is your time, Angie, or I might just put a little sticky note to myself, a little affirmation to remind me, you've got this, you're doing the best you can. So sticky notes around your house or whatever that might be, but just affirmations to keep our emotions intact. And so that if our mind starts to spiral down that rabbit hole of not feeling so great because we're feeling kind of burned out, start putting affirmations around your house to remind yourself, um, you know, you're doing your best. Yeah. <laughs> you're pretty good. Um, I wasn't huge. You know, we, I took the five love languages and I, I realized what the top five were for me and actually um, the, what is it? Positive affirmations where yeah. someone telling me a good job, I'll, like that actually showed up last for me. And so I never really gave that to myself. And then during the years as being a business owner as well as, you know, everything that I do, um, I've learned that I need to have these self-help things. And so uh, 
don't know if I can mention this, but there was a, a book that I read and a journal that came with it. And it talked about doing, you were committed to waking up an hour before you started your day. And that's what you'd commit for 30 days to form this habit. And what you would do is you would sit there and you would schedule it out pretty much every day that you would do five or 10 minutes of workout, five or 10 minutes of writing, like journaling your feelings and your thoughts, um, five or 10 minutes of your eating, like whatever that was. So there was like this very structured way of giving back to yourself an hour before you started your day. And when you did that for 30 days straight, there was research and there was um, all these testimonies that showed that you were able to be 100% more successful in your business and your personal life because you gave to yourself and you committed yourself an hour before. And that was all by giving yourself a little bit of five or 10 minutes of workout, five or 10 minutes of reading, five or 10 minutes of writing, um, and then eating. And so in meditation, quiet time, right? So again, if you're able to commit to that, and I think if you're able to give yourself some time, that, that would be huge, which is what we're trying to do, right, with all these, um, what we're trying to say today with, with, with self-care is you have to give yourself that time. Yeah, I love that. And I love the, you know, getting up an hour earlier, coming, you know, um, doing it at night or what, whatever, just, you know, taking some time. And even if it's in five minute segments, just like we tell our clients, even if it's five minute workouts. So, but yeah, and that, that goes along with the affirmations, you know, getting up early and affirming that you're worth it, affirming that you're worth the time that it takes to, to invest in you, because we really can't give our all to other people. We just, like I said, start being a shadow of ourselves when we show up. And then other people recognize that they recognize that we're not showing up the same way that we used to. We may not see it. Other people see it before we do. And then we start to see ourselves through their eyes and we're like, oh, I'm getting a little spicy here. Or maybe I need a little bit of sleep or maybe I need some self-care. And then we kind of have to find that point where we've kind of hit that place where eh, I, I need well, to pay attention to this. Point. Other people do see it. They do. Yeah. Sometimes asking for their feedback makes a big difference. You know, this is constructive feedback. I used to take it personal and people would say, you look tired. And I would look at myself. I'm like, well, actually, I do look tired. <laughs> I still take it personal. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, well, what are you trying to say? But I think that so, like, you have to do that self-reflection and go, am I tired? Yeah. You know, am I putting myself together? Am I being the best that I can be? Um, and I think self-reflection every day is huge. So you make such a good point where it's like, um, you just have to, you have to be able to be able to give, to, you know, to be there for your clients. Yeah, you got to show up for you. So that's the emotional self-care. The other one, you know, is social self-care. And I think that we all think we're super social because we're with our clients all the time. But, you know, again, when I think of social self-care for us, I think of outside of people needing us. So what are you doing for your social self-care out of out of the realm of people needing you or you being in charge? So, you know, my social self-care during COVID has been walking my dog through the neighborhood and meeting more neighbors than I've ever met in the two years that I lived here. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> has been, you know, Zoom meetings with my girlfriends with a glass of wine. But we have to have social care, self-care where somebody's not expecting something from us. Social self-care where we just get to have silly conversations. We don't have to have any answers. And we just get to be with people who appreciate us for who we are, who don't care if we look tired. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think it's all out of love when they say that to me. They're like, Annie, are you doing okay today? I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm not. But I'm still going to give it whatever I have, you know? Yeah. 
But but part of that social self-care too is just being in environments where we just feel completely authentic to be us. And of course we do feel authentic to be us in front of our clients, but really where we can let take off our professional hat and we can just be um, be us, right? Our, our, our best and our worst selves as we show up with our friends. So the social self-care, the emotional self-care, and then the workplace self-care is just, and I think that has everything to do with boundaries. But one other thing that I wanna say about the workplace self-care that I was thinking about is this. Um, I think that I was, I was watching a show today when I was running on my treadmill and it made me giggle because um, it was just a silly show and the girl had asked for another person's time and it was a, an instructor whose course she was taking and the instructor said, I'm $50 an hour after class. And I thought, you know, case in point, because a lot of times we get emails, we get, you know, people hitting us up. Can you be on this? Can you do this? And I used to say, again, I used to say yes to everything. But now I've learned to say my consulting fee is X, Y, Z. And I think that we all have to guard our time. We have to guard our heart and we have to guard, you know, our bandwidth. What what do we have available to us? And so expect to pay for people's time, just like you expect to be paid for your time. So I think that we all have to be really, really self-aware of having a mentor is great, but generally, you know, a mentor is kind of like a coach and coaches don't come free. So guarding our time and our space, but expecting to pay for what we need from other people because we want other people to pay for our time. Right. And it's okay, right? It's okay to pay for other people. I think that's the huge, the, the huge part of it is it's okay to ask for help to your point. And it's okay to pay It's okay because it's going to protect your heart and it's going to guard your time. Like people are just here to take. <laughs> um, and some people are, you know, they, they don't mean to, but it's because yeah. of who we are and how we are as fitness professionals. Um, and as people, you know, we love to give, we love to be part of something that's bigger than us. And we'll continue to give because that's just what a good human does. Right. But yeah. again, um, to your point, it, it's okay to pay for that time so that you can, I guess you, you can look at it as you're giving back to them some way or, you know, when you're paying for them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just about guarding our time, guarding our expertise um, and, and making sure that, you know, we, we save that we, we only give away what we can afford to give away, so to speak. Right. And our time is valuable. So guarding our time, guarding our expertise. But that was really, you know, our talking points were, you know, why do you need self-care? And that's really my main thing is that I think we all need self-care so we don't get burnt out. So we don't get resentful so that we don't start dreading going to work when really we entered this space because we love to help other people. And where do you get it? It's about scheduling. It's about boundaries. It's about allowing other people to help. And then thinking about that wellness pie. What are you doing for your emotional self-care? What are you doing for your physical self-care? What are you doing for your social and your workplace self-care? And, you know, how are you in all those components? Because ideally, in an ideal world, our pie is divided equally. And we're not too over here on our physical self, but we have no social side. Or we're not so super social that we can't get out of bed the next morning and go to our physical side. So ideally, our pie is divided at least somewhat equivocally, right? Um, and then the last thing is, you know, how can it increase your longevity? And I, I kind of feel like we talked about that is because, you know, we need to fill our bucket back up spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, in order to give to other people. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on that, Annie? Um, I, I think more than anything, sorry, this sun is like getting in on me somehow. <laughs> well, you see that, so I'm trying to block it. Um, you know, the only, the only thought and the final piece that I guess I would say is, it's okay. It's okay. And be okay with it. 
It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to pay for things, you know, pay for your time. It's okay to protect. It's okay to say no. It's okay. I think that's something that everybody struggles with. Um, I think everyone feels some sort of guilt uh, to, to take away from what we're good at, to take away from our kids, from our family. But one hour out of the day or 30 minutes or five minutes is something for yourself. And I think the, the one takeaway that I would say is it's okay to do that. Let it be okay because eventually it's going to be okay for everybody else as well. Right. And you know what? We teach other people how to treat us, but we also teach uh, the people that we care about how to treat themselves. So I feel like, you know, we are a living example for our children. We're a living example for our clients. So if we're constantly burnt out or we're, we're trying to give away so much and we're not really taking care of ourselves, we're kind of sending the message that that might be an expectation we're setting for them. So we're talking out of two sides of our mouth. So I figure if I really want my daughters to understand how to take care of themselves and the value of really nurturing their own soul and their own emotional self and physical self, I have to teach them that I can't live for work, right? I have to teach them that I It's the same thing with our clients. I think that's the big thing that I've gotten here with the feedback over the years that I've been doing this is we've been able to humanize the experience. It's not perfect. The world is not perfect. And in order to get a workout in, sometimes that means you have to bring your kids Sometimes that means you have to show up and work clothes. I mean, it's about humanizing the whole experience. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And 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 just letting a little bit of vulnerability shine through and say, you know what, I don't have it all together. You know, I was lucky to grab five minutes today, you know, or I got in my car and I couldn't even remember if I would put my shirt on. But here I am <laughs> and we're going to do the best we can. So, you know what, that's it. That's uh, that's kind of our show today is just a little bit about self-care. I just wanted to just start out the Strong Mind, Strong Body series on just talking about how to fill your bucket before you start to give away everything, especially if you're new to the industry, you know, come in, save the world, but be careful to save yourself first and spend some time with you. So thank you, Annie Malathon, for being on here, for being a good friend and industry pro. And thanks to all of you for joining us. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and take care of yourself, okay? Until next time. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in.